weeks on a Friday at 2.30. Thank you. La Peña presents Chilean-Brazilian singer Joe Vasconcelo and his band performing music from his new CD, Bansai, Joe Vasconcelo in two concerts, Saturday, July 29 at 9 p.m. and Sunday, July 30 at 8 p.m. A benefit for La Peña, a wheelchair-accessible non-profit center at 3105 Chatuk Avenue in Berkeley. For more information, visit lapena.org or call 510-849-2568. Ahí nos vemos. It's 94.1 KPFA in Berkeley, 89.3 KPFB in Berkeley, and 88.1 KFCF in Fresno, and online at www.kpfa.org. It's 3 p.m. Up next is Cover to Cover Open Book. Welcome to Cover to Cover Open Book. Good afternoon. And it, today we will be having you a feature from Sprouts, which is the weekly program produced by Pacifica Affiliates. This edition of Sprouts is a feature entitled Dying for Water. It comes from us from native-owned and solar-powered radio Hoopa in Hoopa, California, K-I-D-E, Dying for Water documents the impact and aftermath of the 2002 Klamath River fish kill and is produced by Roby Cook and Northern California Cultural Communications. Stay tuned. Radio from the Grassroots, a weekly news magazine produced by community radio stations across the country. I'm Debbie Leinhardt from KRFC in Fort Collins, Colorado. In the fall of 2002, disease raged through the warm and shallow water of the once mighty Klamath River in Northern California. Within days, 68,000 adult Chinook salmon perished as they tried to return home to spawn. This week on Sprouts, we present the second half of the documentary, Dying for Water, Indians, Politics, and Dead Fish. Last week, we heard people from the Hoopa, Yurok, and Karuk tribes describe their experience of the fish kill. This week's program will cover the political issues that led to the destruction of the Klamath River ecosystem and energized a new generation of Native people to fight for the river. This program was produced at KIDE, Native-owned and solar-powered radio in Hoopa, California by Roby Cook and by Northern California Cultural Communications, a native-controlled media resource organization. I'm Merv George, Jr. from Hoopa in Northern California. 
My family and the families of the Hoopa, Karuk, and the Yurok and Klamath tribes have lived along these rivers side by side with the salmon and all of the wildlife in this part of the world for as long as we can remember, and that's a long time. Now this part is going to get kind of technical, so stay with me here. I'm going to give you water management 101 in the Klamath River Basin. Every winter when it snows and when it rains, there are actually people out there who are measuring every single drop of precipitation. Because come the springtime, they're going to recommend what kind of water your type it's going to be. Why do you think this is important? Well, the prescriptions of how much water is going to go to the irrigators, how much is going to stay in the upper Klamath Lake, and how much water is going to be diverted down the main stem Klamath is all completely dependent upon what water your type it is. Back in 2001, when it was labeled a critically dry water year, the Bureau of Reclamation, as a result of the Endangered Species Act and Tribal Trust Responsibilities, provided more water down the main stem Klamath than what was allowed to go down the A Canal. This decision ultimately was a very unpopular decision in the Klamath Falls area, and they let the new administration in Washington know about it. If you want to know more about what the farmers did, you can look up bucket brigades on the Internet. Now in 2002, the whole process of measuring precipitation and deciding what water your type it is starts all over again. This time, the Bureau of Reclamation has finally got ahead of the curve, and they issue a 10-year plan. The National Marine Fisheries Service said they didn't think that the Bureau of Reclamation plan would hurt endangered coho salmon. Our biologists took a look at it, put it back on the table, and said, You're going to kill fish. You're going to kill Chinook salmon with this plan because your flows right here are lethal. This is a perfect example of single species management. They basically came out point blank and said, listen, we're here to tell you that the farmers are going to get all the water that they want and you guys are just going to be fighting over the leftovers. Of Native America calling. I'm your host, Harlan Macasato. We did have a gentleman by the name of Jeff McCracken on. He was from Washington, D.C., and he is the Director of Public Affairs for the Bureau of Reclamation. Here's what he said. Yes, I, I said, because that is that is what we are doing. We are going to be meeting our tribal trust responsibilities. We're going to be meeting our endangered species requirements, as we have done, and, uh, and we're going to be able to provide a, a supply of water this year to the farmers. And uh, so let's go ahead and uh, get the phone lines. Lyle Marshall is the chairman of the Hoopa Valley Tribe. We could see it coming as soon as the vice president showed up and you know and stood with the farmers. You know, politically, we knew that th something was going to happen. And when it happened, we uh, um, we weren't happy and 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 we held our breath and crossed our fingers. But that didn't that didn't save us from this calamity. And all we can do now is say, we hate to say we told you so, but we told you so. Basically, our understanding of the disease is that a, uh, a bug that's there all the time, we see it every year on a few fish, uh, for some reason uh, we saw an explosive breakout. While our fish were dying, while we had uh, dead fish in the river, the Bureau still um, gave agriculture everything they wanted. It was an open valve. But thousands and thousands and thousands of great big fish were stinking, rotting dead on the banks of the Klamath River. Why? The salmon are dying from disease, and now everybody is scrambling to ask themselves why. We think it's uh, as plain as the nose on your face. Why? 
Every armchair fisheries expert and quite a few federal scientists that should have known better had a suggestion. The fish had died of disease, high temperatures, chemicals from illegal speed labs, every reason in the world except not enough water. It was even suggested that there was just too many fish in the river. Lyle Marshall. I, I, um, well, I used to say the same thing about Indians, you know. There's too many Indians in this world. Um, I don't, you know, the salmon that are coming back to the to the river are coming back to an in ecosystem that at one time could uh, maintain those numbers. I mean, for somebody to say that um, the problem we have with uh, so many salmon dying is overcrowding. You have to understand that the rivers today are one third of what they were before the dams were built, and the law, as we interpret the law, designated those rivers as federal. Uh, uh, wild and scenic rivers or even under state law being designated as wild and scenic rivers so they should be maintained at a capacity to provide for indigenous fisheries. Indian rights are, are constantly being challenged and um, we're under perpetual siege to diminish what we think are strict construction of trust obligation. So um, yes, they have a responsibility to maintain a fishery, and, but then we get into arguments about what what's adequate. You know, how many fish do the Indians really need? And what the Indians use in the fishery isn't the question. Does the United States believe that it has any obligation to protect the environment in a way that is is beneficial for everybody? How about we just say that the feds are scrambling for for water management policies that they can hang their hat onto. You know, they're doing everything they can to avert having to deal with the real problem, which is overallocation of a limited resource. But where are they now? Yeah. Where are the politicians? Troy Fletcher, executive director of the Yurok tribe. I want to see Gail Norton should have come down and, and saw the dead fish. She was nowhere around. And the other thing is, where's the farming community? They should be outraged about this. You know, last year when, when they had a hard economic time, a lot of people supported getting them some emergency assistance. They uh, received millions and millions of dollars in the form of uh, subsidies and in the form of congressional appropriations. Well, we got nothing except dead fish. Actually, Gail Norton, the Secretary of the Interior, did have a chance to see some of the dead fish. Our local congressman, Mike Thompson, got the attention of the media and a good deal of respect and admiration from tribal members and North Coast residents by shipping 500 pounds of dead fish to Washington, D.C. and dumping them on the steps of the Department of the Interior office building for a news conference. Well, I think it's clear that this administration is counting votes, and they recognize there are more votes in the Central Valley farming community than there are in the North Coast fisheries community. That's the sad truth of the matter. Uh, it's incumbent upon all of us uh, within the community, all of us in government, all of us on the North Coast to continue to drive home the plight of our economy, the plight of our, of our resources. They need to hear this. They need to understand that their 10-year water policy, 10-year water plan is going to kill the fish in the Klamath River. The tribes had actually been requesting that they come out with a plan because then you would know what you were going to get. 2002 with the fish kill was the first year of this 10-year plan.
And we told him, this plan is ridiculous and you're going to kill fish for the next 10 years. And if that happens, there will be no more fish. And they said, well, how many coho salmon died in that fish kill? Our plan worked. And that's been our argument as well. Don't you have an obligation to keep species off of the endangered species list? And they said, no. So that's what we're up against. Concrete blocking my way. Water dam to the sea. River's my home, my home. Water, a home, that's fish's home, river. Quality water so that they can live and continue. Uh, you know, it's water. They got to swim in it, but it's, it's not preferable. Jim Henderson, water quality coordinator for the Kaduk tribe of California. The Klamath basically is, is, is a wastewater treatment facility. The water that, we're, that we receive coming out of Iron Gate is, is water that's already been through all the reservoirs, not just Iron Gate, but all five of the reservoirs on the Klamath. So it's, it's had a chance to become pretty heavily impaired. It's, it's used for uh, cattle irrigation. It's used for, for uh, crop irrigation on a large scale, and then it's discharged. Well, they're in violation right there. The Klamath is in violation for her temperature, dissolved oxygen. They're impaired for bacteria. They're impaired for pH. There's a, a, a stream of organic material in the river. When you're in the water, it, it, you feel this live and dead algae hitting your body rapidly. It feels disgusting. The cumulative impacts of the reservoirs are cumulatively degrading the fish habitat. It's just getting worse and worse. You can see uh, algal mats spreading from Iron Gate down. In the, uh, the last 10 years, some of our biologists and technicians have noted this algal mat spreading, a permanent, like, old-growth algal mat spreading from Iron Gate down to I-5. Well, this year it's past I-5, and it's spreading down. It looks like a carpet, a green carpet out there, extremely unnatural. It's, it feels like a, a, a dead ecosystem there. It's, it's kind of spooky. You, you can see the effects. The river is dying, basically, as a result of the reservoirs, and that's, that death is spreading downriver. I, I'd say it's at least down to Shasta, from Iron Gate to Shasta, and every year it, it spreads farther and farther. The system's basically been cut in half. It's like putting a tourniquet on a limb, and you watch the uh, limb below the tourniquet wither and die. That's, that's what we're experiencing. It's on a slower scale than what humans are used to having a, you know, an alarm called to, but uh, it's still happening before our eyes. And it's, it's a real shame. I'm, I'm involved personally in the relicensing of the uh, climate reservoirs of the dams there, and I feel that if... if Pacific Corps is given a 50-year license again, or even a 30-year license, 
I feel that by the, the time the next relicensing comes around, that all native fish will be extinct. Sometimes it seems overwhelming. Are we going to be the last generation to see wild salmon in the Klamath River Basin? Well, I think I can speak for a lot of people. We're not going to let that happen without fighting every inch of the way. Just like the salmon keep fighting their way upstream. This year, Pacific Corps and Scottish Power, the energy companies that operate Iron Gate Dam, have to renew their license with FERC, the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. And that's why my fellow tribal member, Charles Carpenter, and I, along with others, traveled to Scotland to tell the shareholders and the CEO of Scottish Power and the people of Scotland about the Klamath River. You know, the tribal council came to me and said, you're going to go over and represent us in Scotland. Go get your passport. So, to skip a few pages, we end up in London. We end up in Edinburgh. So I walk out of the motel and I'm like, they go, Dad, take some pictures of cars driving on the wrong side of the road. All right. I walk out there and I got people honking their horns and giving me power signs and I'm like, Whoa, man. Are we making an entrance in this town? Bring salmon home. Bring salmon home. The tribal delegation went over to the Scottish Power headquarters to speak with Ian Russell, who is the CEO of Scottish Power, and Judy Johansson, who is the CEO of Pacific Corps. The reason for our journey was to educate them on the issues that are affecting us back home, how their dams that they currently own are impacting our resources, and we wanted to let them know that we are going to try everything we can to change the application uh, for the new FERC relicensing process so that we can provide fish passage and bring the salmon home to the upper Klamath Basin. They tout themselves as an environmentally friendly corporation. Uh, we felt that we needed to let them know that they own a company that hasn't been very environmentally friendly. Bring salmon home! Bring salmon home! We all picked two delegates from each tribe as well as the commercial fishermen of Humboldt County as well as friends of the river, Yurok's, Hoopas, Karuk's, Klamath tribe, and went in there and had the conference meeting with them to tell them our feelings and our interest of that Klamath Basin. That Klamath Basin feeds our rivers, feeds our people, gives us our power, gives us our strength that is like the blood flowing through our bodies to the indigenous ancestors that we're fighting for to our future that we're fighting for to where they can be heard to where there's twinkles in eyes that haven't even been opened yet that will see that river shine with salmon again are you shareholders yourself? Yes, yes yeah. no. yeah. and, and it's a problem that we weren't, weren't really aware of until we came to the meeting. So it's highlighted that problem, and hopefully the directors, you know, the board of directors, will take it on board and uh, uh, you know 
enter into discussions with them as they said they have. Their voices were well heard, they really were, and they got a very warm reception from the audience. We went to the castle and I was coming out of there and I run across an indigenous of Scotland. Old Braveheart himself standing out there. Hey, you indigenous, me too! Come over here and take our picture together. So I did. Got a few pictures taken. And next thing you know, we had the whole streets flash bulbs flying. My name's Alan, and I'm from uh, Aberdeen, up that way. I'm down here for a bit, giving the Indians a bit of support. We live in Edinburgh, and I read about what was happening here, and I thought, I have to come up and see this today. I've always been interested in the Native American way of life, and this is a great privilege. <laughs> but do you think they've won some sympathy in this meeting? Oh, of course they do, and I don't blame them. Oh, yes, very interesting. So I wish you all the best with this. You know, and I told him that we just don't only dance for red. We dance for black, yellow, white, of all the races of people that walk upon our world. We pray for our whole world to stay in that balance where we never get out of kilter. But the other thing that gives me hope is the other people who have stepped up to make a difference. <laughs> Especially the young people in my community. Jolene Myers and Tasha Norton are two of our amazing teenagers. Knowing that this fish kill could have been prevented by us having more water, that really hurt too. When I could go to my bus stop and smell the fish dying, it really was horrible. And right then, I wanted to do something. I have family who lives down Klamath. My mother lives down Klamath. She said that that's the worst thing you could see is that our fish is laying there dying right in front of us. And what's going to happen in the years to come? There's going to be barely any fish. So that really hurt me knowing my mom down there with the stink smell and everything, fish floating by. I was thinking, man, we need to do something. <laughs> And what they did was organize the salmon run. It's clear to me that if you really want something to get done, have some girls do it. We all kind of came up with the idea of bringing all the communities affected by the fish kill. And we just wanted to kind of bring them all together and not only have it as a way to bring awareness to the community, but bring involvement because it really did hit everybody. Erica Chase is one of Jolene and Tasha's classmates. And so we kind of recruited to get people. We got runners. Then we invited people to come and actually speak for the open forum. And we also just try to bring people together and make this thing a possibility. Melody George and Glenn Moore helped out with the salmon run. It started out with 13, 14 runners, each doing segments of the road. And then now it has grown into a large event involving both schools, Hoopa High School, Hoopa Elementary School, and a number of people from the community and various organizations out on the coast even. Um, 
environmental organizations, tribal organizations. And the beauty of the whole thing is that it crosses political boundaries. Last year, I just seen the part where we caught the fish and brought it up, and then I went back down in the boat. So I never got to see the actual run or how it finished up. And this year, I get to be on the other end where we're, you know, making sure everybody's at their station and everybody's going where they're supposed to be and everything's kind of on time. So I've seen a lot of people smile, a lot of people, and actually a person that told me this, Dr. Grady Fort, he was running through the bluffs. And before he handed the fish off to me, because I did my little part, he told me uh, that he gets all choked up inside, realizing something that he's doing. And it made me think about, that yeah, that this is a unique project. And it's, uh, if you look at the bigger picture of what you're doing, it's uh, something that's going to happen for a long time. As long as we're, I think we're able to do this and our youth are getting more involved. I think the, the fish run and collaborating with the elementary school and having the fish fair was just a hand in hand. It just seemed like everything clicked and everybody was supposed to be where they're at and everybody was happy. I think that a lot of the word got around, I mean, not only in our local communities, but also like even out on the coast, like people are starting to become aware and now more and more things seem to be happening. I don't think that it's all just on account of our fish run, but I think that we contributed to the awareness and to how many people are feeling like a personal connection to it. This is a large movement created by youth and it's growing. And that's the positive thing because it crosses many political boundaries. These are our children, not his children, her children, that person's children. No, this, these are our children. This is our future. And I feel pretty good about our future right now because these kids are very much politically involved and they, they know what's going on. We had an elder in our Hoopa language class and he was telling us how how when he was younger how the fish were so plentiful that like during some runs you know like it was just there were so many fish that you could almost walk across the river it like made me think you know if this is all we get to see if this continues on what are our children going to get to see what is our future generations going to see they won't even be able to see what we see now basically with the fish run it was a very positive thing we've brought a lot of communities together and we've all realized that Fish are really important parts of our lives, not only culturally, but just in everyday lives in today's society. And so we're going to keep on doing it and keep the community involved.
And they need to, if they want to protect us, they need to start putting pressure on the government, on, on the governmental agencies. That's something that you can do. And um, we're asking you to do it. And assume your responsibility as well. We are working to assume our responsibility. And we're working, we're working to build these alliances that's going to take to win this war. This is war. And uh, we need all we can get. So we're asking for your support. And when there is adequate water, salmon flourish. When there is inadequate stream flows, salmon die. It is as simple as that. And yet, that simple truth is constantly attacked by people who want water for other uses. One way of thinking of it, considering it, is this is a relatively very recent experiment that we've built dams and that we've taken water out and that we've farmed uh, aggressively with you know, pesticides and fertilizers. All of these things are relatively new and uh, a short-term experiment and maybe we're seeing signs that it just doesn't work. We are so out of balance in California especially that a rainstorm or the lack of a rainstorm can turn the power off I think that's the lesson that the political bigwigs need to learn from the fish kill. And I think we as Indian people need to be screaming that out a little louder. It's coming. I mean, what's it going to take before people realize that, yes, we are living out of balance and we need to do something about it. This program was written and produced by Joseph Orozco and Roby Cook. Narrator, Merv George Jr. Mixing and editing, Neil Harvey. Production assistants, Rudy Bruning, Viola Brooks, Kathy Chapman, Christy Shellinor, and the Klamath Salmon Media Collaborative. Thanks to Aragon Star and Wacky Productions for the